You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It was a good day on Monday for the Minnesota Vikings. We got a lot of news to talk about. Daniel Hunter is back. He's coming to minicamp. The contract has worked out. The saga is over for now. And Sheldon Richardson might be coming in as well. We also got a mailbag coming in because it's Twitter Tuesday. Don't think I forgot. So let's talk about all of this here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I also want to shout out the Peacock and Williamson podcast, covering everything on the national stage of the NFL. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson doing a great job over there. Go check them out wherever you find your favorite podcasts after you're done with this banger, of course. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL, and the show is on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. So it is Twitter Tuesday, and thankfully, all of you asked me about the goings-on, so we're going to do this Twitter Tuesday style. If you ever have a question for Twitter Tuesday, you can always send it to me at Locked on Vikings on Twitter or at LukeBronNFL on Twitter. There's also Locked on Vikings podcast at gmail.com. Just send an email to that. And there's also a Google form in the show notes if you would rather do it that way. Send me your questions anytime, but I'll, of course, ask for them for Tuesday and I'll get around to them if I so choose. But the first one comes from Panhandle Slim, who asked with unfortunate timing, do you think Hunter will report? Well, Panhandle Slim, yes, I do. The Vikings have reworked Daniil Hunter's deal, so he is happy enough at least to come to camp, and then they're going to have to basically come back to that table next year. Let me explain to you how all of this works, but that's the headline. The Vikings and Daniil Hunter came to an agreement. The contract has been changed to Daniil Hunter's liking, and now he's going to show up and he's going to play, and now we just have to kind of sweat the neck injury, which I talked about on a previous episode a week or two ago. Go check that out if you want to know more about herniated discs and stuff. There's also an article. I'll link it in the show notes. But the way it works is as follows. Daniel Hunter gets a $5.6 million signing bonus. As of this recording, I am not sure if that is additional money or if it is his current salary. He's making like $12.5 million or something like that in 2021 converted to signing bonus because not a lot of that was guaranteed salary. So you guarantee a bunch more of it, and that gives him a little bit of security when he's dealing with an injury and stuff. That's nice. Um, But the big deal is $18 million roster bonus in 2022. That's the big... uh, number, the figure you're going to see thrown around now until next March. In March, fifth day of the league year, the Vikings are going to have to decide whether or not they are going to let that roster bonus kick in. And I believe that roster bonus was like borrowed from a future year of the deal from 2023, which would be the last year of the deal. But because of that roster bonus now, Daniil Hunter would be set to make $20 million in uh, 2022 if the Vikings stick with him. If he's injured, if they are otherwise unsatisfied with the way Daniel Hunter plays, they can decline that option by uh, releasing him, and they'll take some dead cap and you know they'll have to deal with all that, but they can at least get out from under it, and Daniel Hunter can hit free agency where he would obviously think that he's going to make more money and somebody will pay him what he's worth. So really, there's two main outcomes here and some delineations among those categories. But the, really, the two main things that can happen are Daniil Hunter isn't healthy and he leaves the Vikings and we're all very sad. 
but the Vikings gave themselves an out for that situation, and Daniil Hunter gets to go kind of get a fresh start somewhere. Or he is healthy, he plays well, and the Vikings just pay the dude. The Vikings have always been open to the idea that they're going to have to pay Daniil Hunter a whole bunch of money. They have no qualms about that, provided he is healthy. Now they get 2021, they get to just find out if he's healthy without having to have committed already before that. So everybody's happy here. Daniil Hunter is either going to make a bunch of money with the Vikings or he's going to hit free agency. That's an outcome he can be happy with, and the Vikings don't have to pay Daniil Hunter until they know his neck's going to hold up. So they get to be happy with that outcome. So this is a really good solution. This is a very smart way for the Vikings to do it. They're getting a lot of praise league-wide about it, and I really agree with it. Um, I I don't have any qualms about paying Daniil Hunter what he's worth. Pay him as a top-five edge rusher. I think he is a top-five edge rusher, so then let's do this. In 2019, he went blow for blow with Khalil Mack and Zadarius Smith when Zadarius Smith was having that crazy 2019 season, and Khalil Mack is always Khalil Mack, and Daniil Hunter, production-wise, was right up there with them. So pay the dude whatever he wants, but I get it. The neck injury is scary. The herniated discs are scary. J.J. Watt is my go-to example. He had to have multiple surgeries, missed multiple years. That is scary. And so wanting to hedge against that is great, but hedging against that without losing Daniil Hunter, that's having your cake and eating it too. And the Vikings managed to get that. So very, very happy with that. Daniil Hunter will report and we're all very happy. There's a bunch more questions about Daniil Hunter in this mailbag. We'll get to them when we get to them. But I want to circle back to one that I didn't get to last week that I thought was fun. If you had to play seven snaps at one position during an NFL game, what would you choose? Also, what is your 40 time? So uh, my 40 time is like a... And uh, if I had to play seven snaps at anything... I think I'd choose cornerback. Because look, I'm going to get killed at anything. So I'm just kind of looking out for myself. And there's a lot of plays where cornerback doesn't have to get involved, like a, a run play that goes to the other side and you don't have to get involved in run support. So there's a chance that I can like not do anything. I, I assume picking like kicker or something is off limits because that's too lame. I would definitely pick kicker. Um, but cornerback is the least likely to get me physically injured uh, and also very likely to get a lot of rest between snaps because I would just give up one touchdown every time, and then I'd have like a whole offensive drive to rest. So I think cornerback's the one that I could handle the best. Caden Fettler says, what is the probability that Nate Stanley makes the roster this year? I'd assume pretty slim since Minnesota will probably only roster two quarterbacks and they don't want to put Mond on the practice squad. Somebody else asked about the chance that Nate Stanley would make the roster over Mond, uh, and it's low. It's pr- minuscule low. Nate Stanley's pretty bad. So I I think from a pole position perspective, look, if Nate Stanley outplayed Kellen Mond, they would keep Nate Stanley as the backup. They would stash Kellen Mond as QB3, and they would roll forward with that. Um, But Nate Stanley uh, is pretty bad. He was bad in college. I don't really know why they drafted him. Uh, So he's he's not making the team. (laughs) Uh, Trubisky's burner, exuding caustic energy, asks... With the news of Hunter's revised contract and the outcoming next season, which starters on the 2021 Vikings, do you think are least likely to be back, to be back in 2022? Um, I, I think the Vikings could get something worked out with Anthony Barr, but it seems like that's headed more toward a uh, an amicable divorce uh, where he hits free agency and maybe he wants to go make edge rusher money or something like that. So I think Barr might be one. Um, I, I think you probably just look at who are the starters that are like, gonna be bad or guys on one-year deals right it's easy the easy answer is like xavier woods mackenzie alexander patrick peterson those guys are on one-year deals who knows which ones of those come back but those guys are all pretty likely uh, or somebody like steven weatherly if you count him as a starter now with sheldon richardson coming it might get a little weird we'll talk about that probably tomorrow a little more but if you count steven weatherly as a starting edge rusher again the position distinctions are going to get weird but if you count steven weatherly as a starter i would d- 
guess that he's no longer a starter by like the end of the year if a rookie takes overtakes him or if you do weird stuff with Sheldon Richardson. So I'm going to go with uh, Stephen Weatherly and a bunch of the cornerbacks. Rob Brzezgod, love that for the current uh, man of the hour, Rob Brzezgod, asks, who are the surprise cuts? Your car, if you don't take care of it, get your car taken care of. Make sure you are regularly changing the oil. Make sure you have all the relevant safety supplies like jumper cables you need. Make sure you have a good flashlight in there. And a lot of that stuff, those supplies that you would get at, say, a brick and mortar auto shop, you can get straight from manufacturers at rockauto.com. They're cutting out the middleman, which means you stand to save a buck, and they have an unbelievably expansive catalog of items you can buy from everyday things you just need to have in your car to motor oil to any car part. If you're a true like black thumb and you want to really get in there, you're a do-it-yourselfer, go to rockauto.com, see what you can't figure out. Enter your make your year and your model. They'll sort out everything for you. Make sure you're getting a part that's compatible with your car. And you can, of course, get a little savings going. So head on over to rockauto.com and at checkout, make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you because if you don't, the bunnies will turn over sensitive CIA information to the Turkish government. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Moving on, I will answer uh, Rob Brzezgod's question. Who are the surprise cuts? Uh, Stephen Weatherly is probably a good surprise cut, and I think you might see some surprise cuts on the offensive line. A lot of people would be surprised to see Dakota Dozier get cut because they think the Vikings are very married to him. But he's already losing out on first team reps and if he's not starting with his like veteran experience i don't know if he's more valuable of a guy to keep around than say mason cole or somebody with a bunch of athletic upside like kyle hinton um and he already is losing some of his first team reps the vikings posted some ota videos and you could actually see why davis practicing with the ones at right guard so dakota dozier might surprise it wouldn't surprise me but it might surprise you so i'll call it a surprise cut for that uh stizo asks following a july 4th celebration kirk does something stupid that results in him bringing the team into disrepute. Uh, no suspension, but it voids the guarantees in his contract. When does the Vikings cut him before the 2021 season, before 2022, or never? I would say the answer to this is whenever Kellen Mond is ready, um, if they're going to cut him. But if Kellen Mond's not ready, they're not going to cut Kirk Cousins because they won't go into a season without a quarterback. I love the fiction here uh, that, you know, Kirk Cousins finally answers for his crimes against the state. <laughs> um, and I, I think elsewhere, there was a conversation, somebody's asking questions that he said, like, it doesn't make him a worse quarterback, it just voids his guarantees, um, and but he's otherwise the same player. It, it, if that's true, it's the second he's no longer the best quarterback on the roster. Um, they're not going to get worse but cheaper at quarterback, and I don't think you should ever at quarterback especially, get worse for the sake of getting cheaper. MJ Burke asks if Patrick Fo Patrick Jones is a four-eye in tight. Do you think Janarius is a wide nine only, or could he do either? With his athleticism, it might be best to just pin his ears back and go upfield. I think wide nine would be very good for Janarius Robinson, um, and, and I think rotating him in that way would be a good way to get him some reps because it would give him an advantage and allow him to use his explosiveness and not have to have perfect technique to be able to get on the field, get his feet wet, you know, get some dirt under his fingernails. Um, so I think that would be a, a really good idea. Uh, and if you're wondering what four eye and wide nine and tight and all that are, go listen to, uh, I believe that was Friday's episode. Adam Feist asks, how do you expect Clint Kubiak's offense to differ from his dad's? If you really watch OTA stuff like a hawk, you can see some of the things that they are practicing. Some quick pass stuff, uh, some... I think I might have even seen like a moving pocket kind of thing, like what John Filippo used to do. I didn't love that as a way to uh, help 
Kirk Cousins, um, and I just didn't love the the offense that that produced because he relied on the moving pocket thing. It just didn't work out very well with uh, you know Cousins and Thielen and Cook and that kind of personnel. Um, so I, I think it'll still very largely be a wide zone thing, but hopefully they can throw in a few extra wrinkles, some quick passes, some horizontal element, get the ball in Kane Nwangwu's hands, and just like let him be fast. That kind of stuff. I would love that. Joe Rigel asks, could Dakota Dozier be a better player if he went by Dak Dozier instead? A hundred percent. Absolutely. You uh, hit the nail on the head. Peter Larson asks, I'm wondering how a Sheldon Richardson signing would compare to a Melvin Ingram signing, considering we already have Tomlinson and Pierce. Okay, so I'm going to defer an in-depth answer to this to tomorrow or later in the week. Because I want to talk about this. So, A, as of this recording, Sheldon Richardson has not officially signed yet, so it's not actually technically news. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But I think the Vikings might use him as closer to an edge rusher than a defensive tackle. So you'd have Tomlinson and Pierce as the two defensive tackles, and then you would have uh, Sheldon Richardson almost playing edge. It wouldn't be edge in the same way that Daniil Hunter plays edge, where he lines up outside the tackle all the time. But Sheldon Richardson in Cleveland played edge for like 20-30% of the snaps. Pretty good chunk. And I asked uh, PFF about it, and he actually had better stats. Again, we'll go into more detail later. He had better stats from edge than he did from defensive tackle, according to PFF's like pressure charting and win rate and all the stuff that they do kind of behind the scenes, not just the grades and the stuff you can look up. So my guess is that the Vikings pro scouting went and saw some players getting used in ways that they thought were interesting and wanted to basically make that their full-time job. Dalvin Tomlinson with playing like 3-tech or or 4-I, and uh, Sheldon Richardson playing 4-I or even kicking out to be an edge rusher, and they're bringing in those guys. I think it's really interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about what kind of fronts and how they're going to make all those things kind of coexist. However, if Sheldon Richardson comes for the veteran minimum, it could also just be a why not kind of thing. And they just don't really need to figure out how to get the most bang for their buck out of all these guys. He's a big name, but if he only comes for the veteran minimum, it's like, uh, sure. Uh, Rick Galbraith asks, what are your thoughts about adding Didi Westbrook or another wide receiver three? I know they like BB, but they need more depth there. Um, so I don't know if they like BB all that much. Like they wouldn't even give him an undrafted free agent tender, like a same round to an original round tender for like two and a half million dollars. They brought him back for the vet min because he wanted to come back and he would. Um, but again, it's like, well, why not? It's the veteran minimum. Like who cares? So I don't know if they like Chad BB all that much. And it sounds like Amir Smith-Marset is maybe uh, stepping up to the plate a little bit. But yes, I would love to bring in more competition at wide receiver. The, the depth at wide receiver is abysmal and has been for a long time. I'd be super down with Didi Westbrook or whoever else. Maxwell asks, who do you think is going to get the most first team reps in camp at both guard and defensive end opposite Hunter? So the cheat answer is Ezra Cleveland for guard, but I'm assuming you mean right guard because it's a competition. And I'm going to go with Wyatt Davis. I I think he might already be on the verge of beating Dakota Dozier in that competition. Um, And I think he comes out pretty pro ready and Dakota Dozier is pretty bad. So I'm going to go with Wyatt Davis at guard and at DE opposite Hunter. Um, it depends on what you count as, as defensive end. And there's debate over like, is a four eye a defensive end or a defensive tackle? Um, a four eye meaning l- lining up on the inside shoulder of the tackle. So kind of in that B gap, but not like a three technique that's directly in the B gap. They're kind of a, like a step outside of that. So it's weird. Uh, I call it Sheldon Richardson, but if not Steven, if you don't count him, Steven Weatherly, I think it's defensive end is going to become a really weird term that I'm going to start encouraging people not to use. Start talking about the alignment. Got a few more questions that I want to get to here. 
But first, I want to talk to you about the best tasting protein bar on the planet covered in 100% chocolate. It is delicious and it is indulgent and it's something you can snack on late at night when you would otherwise feel guilty. But you don't have to feel guilty because Built Bars are low calorie, low carb, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. So get a load of them at BuiltBar.com. Get a box for yourself. They come in all sorts of delicious flavors, chocolate, raspberry, peanut butter, brownie. Satisfy those cravings and don't feel too bad about it at BuiltBar.com. Enter promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off of your next order. Promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Next, let's talk a little bit about Grambling. The 76ers-Hawks game last night on Monday night was awesome. I hope you guys tuned in uh, for that wild finish. If you have bets laid on the Suns or 76ers in that series or in that game, you were probably really sweating. So get sweating with everybody else. Have a little fun with the offseason of the NFL. Bet on the offseason. Bet on NFL futures. If you're feeling good now that Daniil Hunter is coming in to uh, minicamp and is going to play the 2021 season, no holdout. If you're feeling good about it, maybe lay some money on the Vikings like I did back in March because I believed in them. You can do that at betonline.ag. Your one-stop shop for all things sports grambling and other kinds of grambling reality shows and award shows and stuff are fair game as well. Head on over to betonline.ag. Set up a free account when you deposit money for the first time and to promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, all one word, and you can get 50% of your money as a welcome bonus. It's a 50% match, so if you deposit 200 bucks as part of your first deposit and a promo code LOCKEDON, you get 300 bucks total deposited into your account just for entering the promo code LOCKEDON at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, let's continue on with the questions. The next one comes from Sean, who says, like the U.S. tax code, it seems like there are a myriad of ways to manipulate the NFL salary cap. Do you like the current cap system, or would it be better to simplify it? Uh, So I think the cap system's fine. I personally find it kind of entertaining that there are teams that are better at the cap and teams that are worse at the cap and that teams that are better at the cap get rewarded for it. I don't want to change the rules to advantage teams that don't know how to manage the cap. And there's kind of no matter what system you figure out, there's always going to be some interesting loopholes and stuff. I would a lot of people say to abolish the salary cap. I don't love the idea of making it like baseball where the, you know, whoever has the biggest budget, you know, can kind of get the be- the best team and you get kind of Red Sox Yankees teams that just are like always 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 on top. I like the parody of the NFL. I like that, you know, a team can be elite one year and miss the playoffs the next year, and it happens every year. Um, and and I, I like that, you know, we've kind of got a new, fresh look at things every time. I think it encourages a certain competitive edge that I like about the NFL. So I wouldn't change the salary cap rules. I'm sure I could come up with something that would, like, make it good. But I don't think the idea that it can be manipulated is something that I have much of a problem with. Content Keith asks, what's the word coming out about special teams? For all the talk about defensive improvement, I think the special teams has gotten lost in the shuffle of conversation. Vikings lost games because of special teams and if that doesn't improve welp uh so yeah the vikings did lose games because of special teams um especially the dan Chisena problems that that occurred in the middle of the year um long snapper issues and all that stuff look they have specialist battles at every position and that's going to be a chaos preseason you're going to have a whole bunch of timing issues a whole bunch of missed kicks in the preseason and stuff and whoever kind of holds up to that better gets the job and then hopefully once you're down to a core three people they can get their timings down and stuff and it can kind of uh pull itself back together i remember that was dan bailey in 2019 had a pretty good 2019 
2018 in a really bad 2019 preseason because they were screwing around with a long snapper battle in Corey Vedvik and all that stuff. Um, and then once it was kind of stable, things sort of solidified. So hopefully you can get that. We'll see how I, I don't know much about any of these guys. I know that uh, Riley Patterson didn't have a great tenure at Memphis and that Greg Jones, Joseph has kind of bounced around the league when it comes to special teams coverage. Uh, it's again, it's hard to say it's whoever's good makes the team basically. And I think it's more going to decide who makes the team than who makes the team decides how good special teams is. I guess if that makes sense, uh, because it's kind of naturally going to sort itself out. Um, but yeah, I think it's totally fair to be concerned about it. Uh, you know, Ryan Ficken, first time special teams coordinator and a bunch of competitions. We'll see if he can go bring it back to the ultimate boring stability of the Mike Prefer era where we were so blessed to have like a good return game and um, generally boring special teams for a, a long time. The Vikings kickers notwithstanding. Brock Wigert asks, which Vikings offensive lineman would make the best defensive lineman and vice versa? So Offensive lineman that would make a good defensive lineman. I'm going to go with Garrett Bradbury uh, because his athleticism is fantastic. He ran, you know, great agility, uh, great power, and those are things that are really important for a defensive tackle. Um, you know, you might balk at that because he gets walked back a lot, but I think that's got a lot more to do with technique than it does to do with actual power. Um, and I also, I think Wyatt Davis make a pretty good defensive lineman as well. I'm sure that there is somebody that played defensive line on the O-line that I'm forgetting or vice versa, uh, like played in high school or something that I'm forgetting. So I don't know, yell at me, but I think for vice versa, I just wouldn't bet against Daniil Hunter in like any physical activity at all. So I guess I'll go with him. But if you wanted to throw Michael Pierce at guard or something like that, just say, yeah, don't get, don't let guys get past you. It'd be hard to argue with that too, just like as a big giant dude. Uh, Bird Fry asks, since 40% of a starting roster is O-line and D-line, wouldn't it be a good policy to draft at least one of the two in the first three rounds every season? I would say generally sure, but I would guard against i would warn against making policies like that at all where we must draft this position by this time every year or every two years or don't pattern it out like that every draft class is different draft the players that are drawn to you in the class eventually there will be good offensive linemen and defensive linemen attack that when you get it so that you don't have to draft offensive linemen and defensive linemen from classes that are bad this was a good offensive line class and the vikings double dipped so that they don't didn't have to draft from a crappy offensive line class, you know, later, or they didn't have any wide receiver need in 2019, which was great because when they did have a wide receiver need in 2020, it was like this historic draft class. Navigate it that way instead of saying, well, we must draft a wide receiver every two years. What if there's not a good wide receiver class every three years? Don't draft a crappy player just because you made a policy about it. Seth Dupal asks, construct a starting six to take on the wild. So I don't know the first thing about hockey or who's supposed to be good in hockey. So for forward, I need speed and playmaking ability. So we'll go with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Uh, for a defense, it says just get whoever hits the hardest. So that is going to be uh, Harrison Smith, of course. And we'll go with Anthony Barr. Uh, for a goalie, get a brick wall. We'll put Michael Pearson there. He's a big, big boy. And uh, for center i don't know who else would be good at hockey so daniel hunter because i guess he'd be good at everything because he's a freak of nature i don't know seems good i don't know if any of those guys can skate like anthony bars from like california so <laughs> i don't know if any of those guys can skate but they'd be 
plenty athletic. Uh, and a fate worse than Seth asks, what is a stat that you would most like to have that isn't available currently? You mentioned progression position yesterday for wide receivers, but I feel like stats for interior defensive linemen are lacking. Only PFF grades and pressures, but it seems to be a position group that doesn't have a stat that shows true value. Um, so I love this question. I could think about, I could spend a whole show on this and I might because, you know, June gets boring. Um, but I, real quick, so progression position would be really cool. Basically, how often was this guy the first read in the progression? And it's really hard to chart that because you can't know. That's all proprietary. But if I were like a, a QC coach or if I were a low-level staffer for an NFL team, I would maybe chart that and say, you know, is this the ratio you want? Is this the person you want to be featuring? That kind of thing. For defensive tackles... Uh, so here's the thing. I would love to do something like ground given up. You know, after an engagement, you could do it with player tracking data. Right? When a defensive tackle engages with an offensive lineman, how much do they move? Or how much ground do they give up? But that would be difficult because sometimes you are okay to seed horizontal movement or vertical movement to, you know, set up a better thing. So that wouldn't quite be predictive. I would love just a gap integrity met metric. And you'd, again, you'd have to have insider information to do it, but basically look at where was this guy's gap supposed to be and how often did he go to the wrong gap or get to the wrong gap or read the, the play wrong or uh, you know get washed out of their gap. Give me a gap integrity metric that tells me how often a guy isn't in the gap he's supposed to be in and then compare that to how often, you know, a guy is out of his gap and then somebody runs through that gap. For running backs, this would be a super subjective one. It'd be really difficult, but I would love a blocks-aided metric, I guess is what I would say. Uh, the thing that Dalvin Cook does really well is he makes a bad block look a lot like a good block by setting up would-be tacklers to kind of be on the other side of a lineman, even though they've, like, won the relationship or they've been in the place they're supposed to be. Basically, anytime you ask somebody to cover two gaps to two gap against Dalvin Cook, he's really good at making you choose the wrong one of those two gaps. And I would love to see a metric that is like a block that would have been bad, but the running back made it good. And you might be able to illustrate some running back value with that. I feel like if I thought about this for a week, I could come up with a whole bunch more. So I think I just got to cut it off there. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. We're probably going to talk about Sheldon Richardson tomorrow. That's something else. Big breaks. Uh, so come talk about defensive fronts with me. I'm excited for that. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show's on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Make sure you check out the Locked On Today podcast once you're done here. You can find that wherever you find your favorite shows. It is 20 minutes every morning rounding up everything you need to know in the wide world of sports. I'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.